Good morning, and welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church. You know, I say good morning in a very sincere way today because it is morning for me. It's the sun is just coming up. It's the fresh start to a new day, more opportunities to to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yesterday has passed, and and with it everything that that has happened yesterday has passed. We are stepping in and embarking on new territory. God has been up all night long preparing this day for us, and and we just have the the blessing to get to live this day. And so, in thinking about that, I actually my my mind went to a passage in Lamentations, Lamentations three, twenty two through twenty three. It says, "Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, but His compassions fail not; they are new every morning." Great is your faithfulness. God's mercies are new every morning. That's something that I feel like I, I probably don't need to tell you. That's something you probably already know, but it's probably good to just be reminded of that, even today, that God has new mercies for us every single day. And and really today, while we, we spend time together listening to Bob's sermon, we're going to see the Israelite nation embarking on their new new direction. In, in a sense, it's a new day for for this nation of Israel, where God has taken them out of Egypt and is starting to lead them towards the way in which they are to serve Him, and so we we're, we're excited to hear what Bob has to say and, and and what he's been studying and and the the direction that we can also attach ourselves to. You know, God has a plan for us just as much as He had a plan for the nation of Israel. God has a plan for us, and He is moving us in that direction. Today could be that start. Today could be that, that first step in that direction. Yesterday has passed, but God has new mercies for us today, and we can begin to move in that direction. And we are continuing to move in a direction as, as a church. Coming together is just on the horizon. We, we will be in, in one accord, in one building, together once again, coming up very soon. And, and so... We need to continue to do what we what we can to prepare for that day. We do what we can today in in preparation for that day, and and that means preparing our hearts. That that means preparing for the the questions that that would be answered on the way in, and and the the usage of masks. And so, uh, make sure that we that that you and I are both prepared for that by. By taking measures today so that we can get ready for the 6th, September 6th. But with all of this in mind, with the, the, the new mercies that God has for us in mind, I just wanted to open this up in a word of prayer. So let's do that now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us another day. Lord, we, we don't even deserve that, but you've given, given it to us freely. We have another day, another opportunity to, to serve you. And God, may we do that. May we do everything that you have for us. May we take, take charge and, and do what is expected of us to live out the Christian faith in a way that is honoring to you. God, we love you. 
and we we long to continue to serve you in every capacity that you have for us. Lord, it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. Justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son, and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Yeah, our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. Justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. I'm not dead. You're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come, oh, I believe. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. Oh, I'm alive. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. 
I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Oh, my testimony.
Good morning. Hey, thanks for joining us at Ebenezer Baptist Church. I'm so glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Hey, we're going to talk about something that all of us struggle with at some point or another. It's the idea of identity. And we're going to continue in our study of Exodus in the series called Recalibrate as we look at Moses' story within the bigger story of God. I brought something with me that I want to share with you. I brought my wallet. You would say, well, that's, that's good. But what does the wallet represent? Well, essentially, the wallet represents me, doesn't it? We look inside the wallet and we would see these things. We, we might see a, a driver's license, a, a debit card, maybe a, a picture of family. Uh, there's an insurance card, a Costco card, um, several different things in here. And we would say those represent who I am. But if I take those same things, those same elements from, that were inside my wallet and place them in the envelope, we would ask the question, which one represents Pastor Bob more? Would it be the wallet or would it be the envelope? Well, logically, we'd say that the envelope now represents me better than the wallet does because the contents of the wallet represent who I am. Well, the Israelites were struggling with their identity and who God was. And God is going to teach them um, what it means to trust Him. And He's going to be leading them in a certain direction. And so we can look at um, this passage, and it comes down to this phrase. And it's in chapter 17, and we'll back up from that for, for a few moments. But the question is this, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? See, God was reordering their world on purpose. God was reordering their world on purpose because what is ahead is far better than what is behind. What is ahead is far better than what is behind. And if God is truly at work in my life and He's at work in your life, He's developing in us the idea of trust, of worship, and of influence. So let's look at Exodus chapter 13 um, as we begin this study this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a couple of passages. 
God, thank you for this morning, for your word, for the truth of your word. And God, as you challenge us, help us to trust you more, to recognize you as the one who is worthy of all worship. And then, Father, use us as your church, identifying with you through Jesus Christ. So, God, thank you for this time this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Exodus chapter 13, we'll look at this. And you remember last week when we talked about um, this Passover idea and moving out of the land of Egypt. Uh, They came out and God gave them some things to do as a remembrance of what God had done during the Passover. It had to do with unleavened bread and this and the dedication of firstborn. We get to chapter 13 and we find the Israelites outside of Egypt being led by God. And this is how Moses records it in chapter 13, starting at verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. Verse 22, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now that's an important phrase because we think God is present and yet we ask the question, is the Lord among us or not? These, this group of people that had left Egypt is being led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire so they see evidence of God's presence yet still are troubled in how God is leading them. So in in chapter 13, God is leading them. Chapter 14, we find the Israelites uh, caught between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. It's a predicament that they really have no answer for and no way out of. We read in chapter 14, verse 11, it says, They said to Moses, now catch this, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? They're starting to crave going back. They would love to apologize to Pharaoh and go back to to slavery in the situation they were in before. Because that's a known factor. But God has other plans for them. And so in chapter 14, we see God opening the Red Sea, them, the Israelites crossing on dry land, and the sea closing back up on Pharaoh's army that had pursued them into that valley between walls of water. In chapter 15, we find the Israelites on the other side. They'd seen God do some miraculous things, but they get to a place called Mara, which means bitter. And they get there, and the water can't, can't be used and so they complain to God or they complain to Moses and the water God miraculously changes the water to be sweet water that they can use so that's chapter 15 and God reminds them to follow him and be obedient to him and trust him in chapter 16 they grumble again they grumble because of food they realize that there was plenty of food in Egypt where they came from Why do we come out here and we have nothing? And God provides manna. He provides this this special bread in the morning, and then at night He provides quail, and they are instructed to only take what they need for the day. Isn't that 
kind of how we are supposed to live is to go before God and say, God, give us this day our daily bread. We move forward with the anticipation of trusting God for that day's provision. So in chapter 16, they sought bread and meat. God provided. And in chapter 17, there's another situation where they quarrel with Moses. Uh, They begin to complain to him again. And Moses strikes the rock. Water is produced and they have water. But it brings that question up that we read about at the very beginning. Is God among us or not? God is working in the life of this group and and they are asking these questions. Is God trustworthy? Can I trust Him? And then really, is He worthy of worship? Is He worthy of my adoration and my respect? And then, why would He work this way? We don't understand Him taking us out of Egypt and having all these trials because we've been through enough. We think it ought to be easier than this. What they did not understand is that what was ahead was far better than what was behind. They were blaming their circumstances on Moses when it was really God at work in their lives for a purpose. He was reordering their world for God to work. The Israelites were in danger of missing the opportunity that God was providing. And that happens with us. When we get wrapped up in our circumstances, we often miss the hand of God or miss seeing God at work. The Israelites were no different. They had become consumed and laser-focused on the circumstances around them, whether it was the lack of water, lack of food, or Red Sea before them. They were focused on their circumstances. And so they became frustrated. They became confused. They became distracted, and they could easily miss what God was about to do. We're that same way. We look at circumstances like COVID-19 or a political battle or racial tension, and we look at that and we discount it, and we get so focused on the circumstance that we discount God and what God may be doing in the midst of that. See, what was ahead was far better than what was behind. See, this is, this is important. God was developing a nation that would trust Him, worship Him, and influence others. You've heard it said that the best predictor of future behavior is past performance. So we could look at what God did. God had taken them out of Egypt. God had brought them to the Red Sea, opened the Red Sea for them to cross, taking care of the enemy by having the sea swallow them up. God provided sweet water at Marah, a place of bitterness, then turned around and gave them bread and meat to eat, and then provided water for them again. God had wanted them to trust Him. That's the first point in our message notes this morning. God wanted them to trust Him. See, trust is not a function of full knowledge but is a readiness to take risks. And when we trust God, we take risks because we don't know or we cannot predict what is ahead. There is always an element of risk or an element of fear when we trust. I know that um, back when I was working some with the North American Mission Board, 
and we had a meeting in Atlanta, and I was living in Florida at the time, and um, I got on a plane about 7 o'clock that evening. Um, Atlanta was experiencing an ice storm, but they said it would be okay, so we got on the plane, didn't question that. Um, the pilot came on and told us what was going to happen. He said, we're going to have to de-ice the plane. I was like, okay, okay, that sounds fine. I've heard of that. I've seen it on TV. No big deal. So we de-ice the plane, and we sit there for a while longer, and he comes back on and says, we've been sitting long enough that we need to de-ice the plane again. And so that went on a couple different times. It was five hours before we actually took off. At some point, you start to question who's in charge. Does the person sitting in the cockpit actually know what they're doing? And you're hoping they do. Now, when you got on the plane, you didn't question that. But as things start to, as, as the circumstances around that situation start to change, and there seems to be confusion and frustration and distraction, then you start to question the, the tenure of the pilot or the ability of the pilot to say, does he know how to fly this in this type of weather? And it's one thing taking off in 75-degree weather in central Florida. It's another thing to take off in the middle of an ice storm in Atlanta. Does he know what he's doing? And the Israelites were asking that question. Does God really know what he's doing? There's an element of risk or fear when we trust there's also always something to trade when we trust. And if you trust me, what is ahead is far better than what is behind. That's what God's message is to the Israelites. Well, what did the Israelites have to trade when they follow God or to trust God? You know, they were trading knowledge of what is known for unpredictable. Life was ordered by the Egyptians. The Israelites knew that when they got up in the morning, they went to work. When they came home in the evening, they went to sleep, and they knew what the next day was going to hold for them. But when you're following God, there seems to be an unpredictable nature about doing that and that they needed to wrestle with. Expectations of life would look different. They used to know what to expect. And, and honestly, frankly, I prefer the predictable. We live in the midst of the unpredictable, don't we? You know, COVID-19 has turned our world upside down. It looks completely different than it did just six months ago. Racial tension is, has escalated. And then we have a political campaign that seems to be all over the place. And, and it's uh, confusing and frustrating. And it's really distracting from what God may be doing. See, we cannot allow the circumstances to determine our actions, our values must do that. What we value, what we place value on has to do that. And so we begin to trust God in the midst of uncertainty instead of focusing on the circumstances around us. For what is ahead is far better than what is behind. The second point in our outline this morning has to do with worship. You see, can you really worship a God that you don't trust? Or can I really place all my eggs in that basket and honor Him if I don't even trust Him for what is ahead? God was not only developing a people that would trust Him, but He wanted them to worship Him. See, God wanted them to, wanted them to trust Him and to worship Him. 
worshiping is nothing but adoration and reverence. It's, it's about bowing down and recognizing that there is someone and it's God that is greater than we are. It's a development and God is always looking for worshipers. Remember the story in John chapter 4 of the Samaritan woman? Um, she was coming to the well at an inappropriate time. The rest had gone, but because of her reputation, she showed up at a different time during the day. And what she found is she found Jesus alone. The disciples had gone into town. And so Jesus and the Samaritan woman begin to have a conversation. It was an unusual conversation, but the conversation nevertheless turned toward worship. And as Jesus is talking to her, he's explaining that worship is not about a place. Worship is about a person. And so Jesus said this to her. He said, but an hour is coming. This is John chapter 4, verse 23. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father, here it is, is seeking or craving such people to worship Him. That's what God craves. That's what God wants. He has always wanted people that would worship Him. So we trust Him first, and then we begin to worship Him because He's worthy of worship. And God wants you and me to trust Him and worship Him fully. Why would God go to these lengths, these distances, to develop trust and true worshipers? The third point in our outline this morning is that God wanted them, the Israelites, and He wants us, to influence the world. God was going to use them to influence the world. This nation, Israel, this nation was going to be the conduit of salvation through Jesus Christ. If they had stayed back in Egypt or apologized to Pharaoh and gone back to Egypt, what would have happened? How would God have provided salvation through Jesus Christ? Remember what, the, what Jesus told the Samaritan woman in that same passage that we read out of John chapter 4, if we go back just one verse, verse 22 says, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus recognized that that same people that came out of Egypt were the same people that provided for salvation through Himself. And so God was doing something in the hearts and the lives of the people of Israel that was bigger than just escaping Egypt. It was bigger than just wandering in a wilderness. It was far greater. It was all about God preparing a people to provide for the ultimate freedom from sin and the slavery of sin through Jesus Christ. And what was ahead was far better than what was behind. So how does this apply to us? What do we do with this information? If God wants us to trust Him, if God wants us to worship Him, and if God wants to use us as influencers, how does this apply? How does this passage apply? First thing we can do is we can review how God has worked in our lives. The Israelites were going to need to do that going forward. But we can do that as well. We can review the hand of God in our own lives. Maybe you could look at it like this. Um, maybe draw a timeline on a piece of paper. And on that timeline, do certain markers. Um, the marker, and we're going to use Israel as, as those set points. We're going to say that God led them out of Egypt, Passover. And then we're going to put another mark at crossing the Red Sea and another mark at 
providing sweet water at Mara, another market at manna and quail, and another market at water again. And then we're going to take our life, and we're going to look at the journey of our life and say, this is where God worked in my life, and this is where God worked, and this is where God worked, and this is where God worked. And those things, as we start to look back at our own journey, we realize that God is trustworthy. That He's been at work in us, and He may be reordering our life on purpose, but what is ahead is better, far better than what is behind. And so we're going to review what God has done in our life. The second thing is we'll recalibrate the way we think, recalibrate our thoughts for a preferred future. It's looking at it and saying, God, what is your standard and what do you want to do through my life? So we recalibrate our thoughts to seek after what God wants. And lastly, to reach out to one person with words of influence. Say, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone of not talking about God to talk about God and influence somebody around me with the confidence that I have that God is trustworthy. Why would I want to do any of that? Because we can take knowledge and, and just hold on to it, but there's a why behind this. Why would we want to do that? Because the preferred future is what glorifies God. When we look at God's story and our story within that story, God is providing a reordering of our life because it is better and it brings Him glory. So we pursue that preferred future that brings glory to God. There's also an experience that you will have that if you did not trust Him fully, you would miss out. So there's an experience you will have that only comes by fully trusting God. And we don't want to miss that. God has some amazing things planned for your life and for my life, but trusting Him is that starting place. Lastly, is that you can influence someone for eternity with the same blessing that you received through Jesus Christ. See, there may have been a time in your life when you said, I know that I can't save myself, and, and you turned over your life to God, and you received the forgiveness that God gives through Jesus Christ. Well, you can take that blessing, that act of mercy and grace toward you, and share it with someone else so that they can experience the same type of thing. You can be a conduit for God's salvation to someone else. You can be that witness. See, we'll get together September 6th. We'll come back in here in in-person service. But it won't be for the goal of reopening the campus or pursuing the old normal. That's not what we need to be about. Although it will be great to be in here and to worship together, it's really about what is beyond that. What is God doing? It's about developing a people that trust God fully. It's about developing as a people who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it's about a gathering of people that want to influence the community and our world for Christ. So what is ahead is far better than what is behind. What is God doing in your life? And what does God want to do in your life? Let's pray. God, thank you for our time this morning. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of the Israelites. God, we see in this passage struggle and argument and grumbling. But Father, we also know that they were distracted by their circumstances. And we have that same chance to be distracted by our circumstances. But Father, I pray you would give us clarity about your hand at work. And God, in so doing, you would use us to influence the world around us for the sake and the glory of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for this morning again. We pray these things in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. I hope that this has been a blessing and our online services have been a blessing to you and your family, your household. Uh, we will be in person next week in here at 9 and 11. Uh, there will be several things that will happen when you come, but I would encourage you to bring a mask for entry into the building and then be prepared to worship with us, to trust God, to worship Him fully so that we can be the influencers that God has called us to be. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great day. We welcome you to join us next Sunday for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.